The leftist comedy podcast for everyone. I am Kate Willett. And I'm Mohanad Al-Sheikhi. And it's uh, it's good to be back. We've been on tour and going around and doing different yeah. things. Just oh my gosh. Different things. Yeah. I'm, many of our colleagues are now affected by the WGA writer strike. We were like thinking about what to discuss um, you know, in the b- before the show, and I just realized I completely kind of forgot about that the major leftist issue that so many people we know are dealing with. Yeah, it has to do with the union. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's. I mean, it's still going, and it's been going for a week now, I'd say, or uh, a bit more. Yeah, about that. Um, yeah. 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 And it, I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't know for how long it's going to go. The last time a writer strike happened, that was in 27, 28, and that went for like three months. I think this one is going to be a while. I think it's going to be, yeah. I, I, I would not be surprised if it's a very long time, to be honest. I with think, you. yeah, I bet the CEOs are like on chat GBT right now, just look like, just writing how, how to bust union, how to end the strike. Seeing if AI can come up with something. That was one of the main issues is that they want to use AI. They basically want to have like, the goal is to have one writer for every show and then just have the rest be AI. And obviously that makes no sense. And they're just kind of like, you know, just want to fuck people over. And it's, and I mean, this has been said over and over again, but literally if anyone can be replaced with AI, it's the CEOs. Yeah, I don't think that you can replace writers with AI. I don't know. Here are their demands. Okay, so there is, like, there's a few different things. So here are their demands. Um, They're seeking uh, increased pay, higher compensation for writers across the board. Um, And, you know, previously, like 10 years ago, 33% of TV writers were paid the minimum rate. And now 49% are, uh, writer pay has declined 14% in the past five years. I mean, one thing, you know, I think a lot of people hear this stuff and they think like, Oh, TV writers make a lot of money. And in a sense, that's like, that can be true. Like it can be a very well-paid job, but you're not working all the time. Most of the time, exactly. you know, like, there's like a number of like weeks per year that you're working, you know, and you're spending like the rest of the time trying to get work. Like, exactly. Work. Yeah. You know, it's not because like basically, because basically the way I look at it, they're like, okay, so you had this job and you worked for 10 weeks. This is just like me, me making numbers up. You worked for 10 weeks, you made 40K. That is a lot. You know, I'd be like, wow, 10 weeks, 40K, that's a lot. But then if I told the same person, well, would you work a job that is like 40K a year? Do you think that's a lot of money? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, that's it. Because they make 40K from this job and then get nothing else. Yeah, exactly. For the whole year. So that's not enough, especially in New York and Los Angeles. So another thing that they're striking over is better residuals. Um, Residuals Mm -hmm. are a big way that writers make money. 
Um, and you know, residuals are like, I think most people know what those are, but it's like when, you know, reruns of the show air, um, the writers will receive something, the actors will receive something. Um, but now that we have so much content on streaming service, that's the majority of the way that people watch TV, um, residuals are just not like they're barely happening anymore because yeah. the streamers do not share uh, the viewership data. Um, so, you know, like there's just no, no tracking or no public tracking that's happening yeah. of like, yeah. you know, who's watching this, how many people. Um, and so uh, the WGA is seeking more upfront fees to replace the back end residuals. Um, there's also an issue where, um, they've been doing this weird thing called mini rooms. So mini rooms are like, they'll just hire a few writers on, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that have been in these, they'll hire, hire a few writers during development, which is like, you know, what happens like with the production company or the network, like before the show is fully green lit, like two, you know, these mini rooms would be like two write the pilot. So, you know, the writers could be working on it for like, a year or something, but, you know, it may not ever get picked up. Um, so, you know, it's like this issue of a lot of people being in, in these rooms that are, you know, understaffed and they're overworked and, um, you know, they're trying to have a certain like minimum of writers for the show, um, which yeah. also would be good for like people like us because, a, a big kind of overarching thing is that um, there's just way less jobs than there used to be. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're also striking over uh, exclusivity deals. Um, mm. So a lot of the rules around TV writing are uh, kind of based on you know, the sort of older model where there'd be like, you know, a 22 week season or 25 yeah. episode season and now it's like way shorter so yes. that um basically like it doesn't just diminish the pay because they're only paid you know per episode um they want it to be that like there's not the same rules around exclusivity deals of them not working for other shows because you know, yeah. they just have to work for more shows if these if these are going to be so short. Um, as you mm -hmm. said, AI, man, this is such nightmare fucking dystopian stuff. Um, so WGA wants production companies to agree to uh, standards around the usage of AI. So, you know, mm -hmm. this is this is what's happening. Um, you know, there's uh, picket lines. Um that are happening. I am anticipating the strike could go on for quite some time because I do not see the streamers giving up here around, you know, the residuals. And I mean, like, especially that one, it just seems like it's so freaking unlikely that like, you, you know, Netflix, HBO Max and stuff, they're going to like start, you know, paying writers for when people watch the show. That just seems. Yeah, exactly. I and in their defense, Netflix needs that money so they can pay it to one guy to make one best special. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think people are really nervous. I, you know, I, man, I really, I, I just don't know what's going to happen in this one, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like, 
you know, a, a real kind of protracted battle with, you know, even the hopes of like breaking the unit itself and involving like scabs at some point. I don't want to be, you know, pessimistic about it. And obviously solidarity with the WGA, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some playing dirty here in terms of like employing yeah. scab people or, you know. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's 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 kind of grim. I don't know. And I feel like the, the studio, I feel like what's happening now, the studios are like really, really believe that they can do something with AI. And I feel like that's why they're like holding up. And I just cannot wait. I know they're going to be at least, there will at least be one show that is made by AI. They will be out there put on TV. And then they will see the reaction from the people and then they're going to be like, maybe AI is a bad idea. I mean, it's just like, I've fucked around with chat GPT. And Same. okay, it's not like something like AI will advance, right? Like where I, AI of course, is yeah. right now, it would be, you know, completely different situation in two years. It's going to advance rapidly, you know? And I do think that like, there's a lot of people that have to be worried, you know, particularly for like jobs that are, you know, sort of like, mathematical or, or calculation based like software engineering coding that type of shit like i think a lot of those jobs can be automated like and the ones that can't yeah. now in the near future but definitely i do maybe this is naive i think that art does need that human element you know um so i agree i, I mean like honestly like i just also like don't care how a show or like a job is done it's it's i feel like my God, like, I feel like AI should help people have more free time to do the stuff that they want or like to actually like help like progress the human work and not replace it. Because, yes, there are some stuff that we do. And I'm just like, oh, God, I wish that it can be this can be automated so I don't have to do it. So I can like actually focus my power on like finishing this thing and making it good. But like to have a machine do the whole thing from beginning to end, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's stupid. Yeah, I think that um, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's so, um, it's so bleak, you know? I David Graeber, have you heard of David Graeber and Bullshit Jobs, his Bullshit Jobs stereo? This is a fun one. He's a book and it's good, but I think even if you just spend, you know, a minute uh, like Google searching it, you can find some great clips of him talking about his theory on podcasts. But basically, David Graeber put into a theory something that you know sounds pretty obvious when you say it but like he, the way that he expressed it and actually studied it was mm -hmm. uh was a breakthrough which is that a lot of jobs are like they just don't need to exist um mm -hmm. like they they are really just you know straight up busy work and he kind of categorizes um or he he does categorize it into like five categories i don't remember all the categories but one is like jobs that just exist to make someone else feel important um like for example like someone to sit at a desk um to like make you know the dean of a college feel like they are you know the dean or something like that um, yeah yeah you know, jobs that only need to exist because a competitor has that same job, like a marketing person, you know, like if your opponent hires a marketing person, then you also need to hire mm -hmm. a marketing person. Um, jobs that need to exist because somebody else, like they won't just fix an obvious problem. Like I think the example he gives is like at a college, like there's a carpenter, right? And like 
people call, you know, the carpenter for repairs, but the carpenter is very busy. And so instead of hiring a second carpenter, they hire staff to basically say that the carpenter is busy and like deal with those, you know, requests. But basically there's a couple other categories and, you know, he was kind of talking about, um, I think he studied it and like, like 40% of people have bullshit jobs, like jobs that there's oh, yeah. just absolutely no purpose for. I feel like we all like worked at a, like a company worked in an office and there's always someone you're like, what the fuck does this person do? I, I've had a lot of jobs like that. Yeah, and he talks about, exactly. the, he talks about the soul killing element of it, you know, because we, yes. if, even if it sounds like it would be fine to just get paid to do something easy where you don't really need to, you know, do that much work or whatever. It's like, there is just something about just like knowing no, that your it, life is it hit just you like eventually. Choice. Exactly. Yeah. It hit you eventually that you're doing nothing. Yeah. You have no yeah. purpose. Yeah. And the, you know, like he's, um, he's, he, well, he passed away a few years ago, which is very sad because he was a, a light yeah. in the world, but you know, like for anarchists mm. like him, um and you know certainly for you know a lot of a lot of communists you know the, just like i think ai d could in the way that they see the world offer this great sense of possibility where like the future looks like maybe everyone working 15 or 20 hours because that's all yeah. the work that needs to happen we can just like automate a lot of stuff and that would be amazing you know because think about like how much leisure yeah. time we could have but that would require like an equitable distribution of resources and of course that's not yes. what's going to happen but like there is a, another world where ai could be an extremely positive thing and unfortunately that's not what this one is going to be of course yeah no i i agree i agree like, ai could do so, so many good things but these people are not are not doing it to give people more time to relax and like do the stuff that they want and still make money. It's yeah. literally just like push them out. Like, you know, like the, like the idea is like, they don't care if those writers just like quit. Yeah. I they mean, just hate, yeah. They just hate writers. That's literally what, what it is. Just like that sense of just like, you know, disgust toward them. I mean, there's also just like this issue of there's just so much, content out there now you know like there's just so yeah. many shows and it's like i mean there's just more content than anyone is watching on these streamers you know and like Absolutely. i would imagine that from their perspective they probably feel like they can throw down a little bit because like there's stuff to watch like people are not gonna run out of stuff to watch anytime soon you know but no i i mean i totally agree with you i agree with that but yeah, but but that's the thing. It's most of the stuff that we watch. I'm just like, like every time I open Netflix or Hulu or something, and I see like a show, and I'm like, this cannot be a real show. Yeah, I mean, it's there's obviously there. some great ones, but yeah, uh, yeah. I I I don't know. I'm I'm really curious to see what happens here, but I'm honestly not optimistic that this will be resolved yeah. anytime soon. I think this is, you know, but you know, the union overwhelmingly voted for this strike. I mean, the union membership, like in the 90, 90%. So, you know. Yeah, um, like 97%. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, I want to fight those fucking 3% and just ask them questions. But like, what's the plan here? Well, I mean, it's it's really hard to get those kind of numbers to authorize a strike. Like, 
you know, I mean, this involves people not getting paid for the most part, you know, like I think that there are some shows that Seth Meyers is still paying his staff, like personally, like he is just giving people money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Conan did that back in what at the old strike too, where he just like paid his staff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But that's not, I mean, I assume that's not with everyone. Yeah, I think that that is definitely the exception and not the rule. Because some shows are just, yeah, I, I assume some shows are going to be like straight up just canceled. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so in better news at this point, we do have, I mean, it's kind of weird to call it better news, I guess. Trump has finally faced some kind of consequence, which is yeah. amazing. You know, um, so I'm sure that listeners have seen um, this, you know, on Twitter, even in, you know, the New York Times, this is all over that um, a jury has found uh, Trump liable for both sexually abusing E. Jean Carroll and for defaming her. Um, mm-hmm. And he's going to have to pay five million in combined damages, for, both for injuring her and calling her a liar um so you know he was not uh found to have committed um rape he was found to have committed battery i mean like Mm -hmm. this is you know like obviously them not you know the jury not saying it was rape like doesn't mean it's not rape probably like that's i didn't even need to say that but yeah i mean the civil courts are like you know liable or not liable but that doesn't mean you know yeah yeah um but you know uh it i think he's supposed to yeah yeah he's supposed to pay also like five million dollars as well yeah yeah and yeah I mean, I just am imagining what this woman went through during the time that this was going on. I mean, she came forward with this claim when in in 2016, like a long time ago. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it took took a while and she did not back down. And I also like read that today, a lot of like the staff who worked for Trump uh, at the White House has been coming out with their like own stories and stuff like that. And it makes sense because once you see that, you know, uh, one person has been, you know, believed at least by the justice system. Yeah, more people feel empowered to come out and just like talk about that stuff. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, um, I'm just like, I mean, I'm just imagining what this, you know, must have done to her life to just be like the Absolutely. subject of this kind of vitriol for so long. Um, Absolutely. She... Yeah, I mean, remember that woman who uh, came out and like uh, testified against uh, Kavanaugh, who had like, literally had to leave her uh, Doctor Ford. Yes. Yeah, Christine Blasey Ford had to move multiple. Yeah, had had to move multiple times because they're just fucking people are just fucking insane. She was fired from Elle magazine after she accused President Trump of rape. So, mm. which is just horrible. But absolutely. Her... What she was saying, and and I believe, of course, um, is that Trump assaulted her in a dressing room in the mid-1990s, and she was fired from her job that she had been at for 26 years, um, writing an advice column from for saying that. Um, And Trump is denied knowing her, um, and, you know, like, he just is obviously not 
admitting to this at all. But I'm, of I'm course, really, yeah. really glad that she got some kind of justice in this case. Um, I agree. Though it's like, I don't know. Do you think that this is going to, you, do you think this is going to change anything? I, th- I mean, honestly, like, I don't know what kind of change will happen, but I believe there will be change. And also, it's it's a big deal. I, I really think it's a big deal that, like, you know, finally being held accountable for literally anything. Like, it's just, I feel like this man has gotten away with so much to the point I'm just like, finally, even, like, one case where he has to pay money. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I mean... I'm really wondering, like, if he can win a presidential election at this point. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, like, my impulse is to be like, this shit isn't going to affect him at all. But yeah. it might. Like, it might at this point, you know? I, I think it know. might. And, I, and I'm and i like, honestly, like, what I'm curious about now is, like, his, like, his supporters and stuff like that. I feel like he's been so busy trying to figure out all of these cases against him and stuff that he hasn't been campaigning in the way he usually does yeah and i feel like i mean like his supporters are just like because like they're all like were there because of his whole like you know speeches and like tours and like the whole show and shebang and whatnot but he's not he's not doing that so i feel like they're like kind of like moving away now yeah i mean I'm just really curious to see what happens. I mean, Biden is such a, you know, like he's such a poor candidate to run. He's just completely like, you know, he's just he's, he's Biden. Not, he doesn't seem up for the job in any way. No, but I think that maybe compared to Trump, DeSantis, I don't know. This is like this is just the one where I just really didn't know it was going to happen. In 2016, I really thought that Trump was going to win. I was like, yep, that's going to happen. And um, I think, you know what? Yeah. I don't know if I thought Biden was going to win. Okay, so I'm not a good predictor of elections. No, I thought I thought Biden was going to win just only because, I, and I really believe that if it wasn't for the pandemic, I think I think Trump would have won again. Yeah, I was of the but same like, mind. Yeah. By the time the election was actually happening, I was like, okay, this pandemic has gotten bad enough that people are not going to want to continue on the current course of action. But yeah, you know, I definitely think that he it was a pandemic that squeaked Biden by. But he's done such a bad job on. I mean, like you know, if you say terrible that, job, like to liberals, they're going to be you know furious, obviously. But I mean, it's like. Yeah, has he done some good things? Sure, but like any yeah. of the stuff that he was elected to, um, to I mean, like the pandemic is still going, and they just said it's that still it's go- not. It's still going. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, like all the all the benefits you know that were available to people are now gone. Um. Inflation is really high, which is a big predictor of reelecting an incumbent president. Um. You know, people are definitely having a hard time getting jobs right now um prices are super high just you know all these sort of like day-to-day measures that people use to judge how it's going like are not in biden's favor at all right now but you know at the same time trump is a fucking dramathon and he was just um found in a civil case to you know have uh i don't know if this is the right term but you know he was found in a civil case he, he not convicted but I mean, he's now like 
you know, there's legal documents saying that he is a sexual assaulter and a liar. Does that matter? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I mean, I feel like people knew that. And also the people like it matters to them already knew that. And the people it doesn't matter to them think the justice system has framed Trump. Yeah. So literally nothing matters. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, well, yes. Well, speaking of Biden, uh, he also, I mean, the big news today has been the uh, Title 42, which is, you know, pandemic era emergency policy where basically asylum seekers could not, were, would be removed from the country if they can't prove that they have seeked asylum in another country first. So basically, if you're coming from like another uh, place in like South America or whatever, and you're coming across uh, through Mexico to the U.S., and you cannot prove that you have seeked asylum in Mexico first, you will get deported. You can't even seek asylum. And you will be banished from the U.S. for five years. So you can't even come to the U.S. for five years after. And if you try, you will face criminal charges. I mean, and, it's, a, it's a staggeringly cruel policy. Exactly. And that was supposed to expire in like 45, uh, 48 hours. And this is something that Biden came against before. But now they just want to reinstate it. They just want to keep it. Yeah. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about, you know, him bringing back the kids in cages. And it's really sickening to me. Um, just the lack of liberal outrage about any of this stuff that people just, you know, we're talking about every day when Trump was the president, you know, I mean, it's like, these are the same policies, literally the exact same policies in many instances, but because you slap a Democrat's name on it, all of a sudden people are okay with, you know, no, people are okay with it. Yeah. And like, they're trying to find excuses for it. And they're like, well, there's nothing that Biden can't do. And I'm just like, why is he the president then? Like if literally not, nothing he could do, make me the president. I also can't do anything. I mean, by the time someone is seeking asylum, like to qualify for asylum, like the, you know, the requirements for it are really stringent. Like you have to be fleeing violence or, you know, persecution based on like a, a minority status. And I mean, people are fleeing for their lives, you know, and oftentimes making you know very 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 difficult journeys and like even if somebody you know sought asylum in mexico for example they're not necessarily going to be able to get the like the paperwork to prove it or have a way of knowing all of the us's you know regulations about it that you know are often exactly because they make it very very complicated on purpose absolutely of course yeah it's it's so complicated and like literally it's it's something that you can do on your own and like I've tried to do that in the past just like do like paperwork immigration paperwork by myself it's impossible and I'm like I speak English fluently and I understand it so let alone for someone who whoa brag can't. like I'm not yeah I'm not I mean, there buddy but okay <laughs> yeah well yeah but you know but still like literally like like I cannot do a single like. Even like apply for a simple thing, I can't do by myself. I read these papers, I read the documents, and I like have no idea. So I have to like either find like a lawyer or something to do it for me, and they charge so fucking much. 
So yeah, I can't. I terrible. so for a family who's like they're not speaking English, maybe they they're fleeing whatever, and like they don't have money, they don't have the resources. How are they going to manage that? Like, don't say come here legally and then make coming here legally so fucking hard. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just astonishingly, astonishingly cruel. It's a, exactly it's astonishingly cruel policy. Also, asylum law law is very clear. If you are here in this country, you come to this country, it does not matter how you arrived here. You have the right to seek asylum. That's it. That's this is part of a big treaty that the U.S. has signed and the Congress has enacted back in 1980 because, you know, to conform with like international treaties and all of that. And the reason this was enacted in the first place, because, you know, the U.S., uh, you know, like turned down some of like the Jewish people who came uh, to the U.S. fleeing Nazi Germany. So for that not to happen again, this was put in place. And now uh, Biden and Trump just trying to like reverse it and it's like this makes no sense obviously yeah it's i don't even really know what to say about it except for that it's absolutely fucking disgusting i mean like i just this is this is one of the main issues where i just start getting really fucking pissed at centrist democrats where like the stuff that they're willing to to co-sign and defend you know, the stuff that they've just thrown their whole reputation down on opposing, you know, when and sometimes have built a, a brand on it, even during the Trump administration, these resistance liberal types that just all of a sudden they're going to defend, you know, human atrocity. It's just it's like I'm it's it's very. It's, no, I've it's, said it. I've yeah, yeah, I said it before when Trump was president. Like it's, I'm like you. You don't hate his policies. You just hate him, and I yeah. and I hate him too. But that's the only reason. You just don't like the guy because. Uh, but the policies are still the same. They're still so fucking cruel, and they just you know Democrats are just good at like relabeling them with like you know, kind of like better stuff. Like but they just give them like different packaging. Yeah, you know they're like oh no this is obviously. They're obviously still, you know, we're happy to have immigrants in as as long as they come through the proper channels. And centrists just hear proper channels, do it the, the the right way. And they just assume that the right way is very clear to do. They make it sound like literally they're just like, it's so easy to come here on asylum and it's so easy to do it. And that some people decide not to take the easy way. And that's why they get rejected. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, it's just designed to be a bureaucratic nightmare where, you know, you have to have this proof. And, you know, it's like, then the, with the proof that is hard slash impossible to get or to even know about the requirements to be able to, you know, reject people because of paperwork. And then they have the credible fear interviews, which I think that they're also raising the standard on. So basically I think how it's worked in the past is like somebody from ICE interviews asylum seekers to, you know, see like, you know, if they really believe that the person was in danger, but then it's really just some, it's a dude who wanted to work for ICE. So a racist. Exactly. You know, like, just is like deciding if he exactly. believes. Exactly. 
that, you know, somebody is telling the truth about having their life be in danger. And like, it's just, it's fucked up that it's just up to that guy. And now they've like made it even more difficult. No, they will say that you're lying to them. Exactly. They're just like, they will call you a liar and they will like prove it. And like prove it is just like such an open concept. Cause like, how do you prove that you, like, if I say that like my life is under threat or like my cousin was killed by the gangs or whatnot, how do I prove it? Like, show you a video, a picture, like a, a PDF document that he sent me? Like, what is it? In, like, one of the first episodes of this show ever of Reply Guys, I interviewed Rachel Lark, and she was, like, she had an asylum, somebody who sought asylum, staying at her house, and he was in an ICE detention center for months, and they kept trying to, like, they kept trying to deport him and he was yeah. in the ice detention center being starved um like you know fed like almost no food but when he was fed it was like bologna sandwiches with mold on Jesus. it like not yeah. food. he was getting regularly beaten and physically tortured by the people who worked at the ice yeah. detention center and you know basically this is a person who just sought asylum this is not even like it wouldn't be okay even if to do to a murderer but like this is not yeah. somebody who was accused of any sort of crime at exactly. all yeah and exactly. then you know eventually his case came before a judge and the guy was just like yeah i'm not going back no matter what because like whatever you guys are doing to me here beating me sexually assaulting me starving me like it's actually not more dangerous than what i was fleeing from and the judge was like okay must have been pretty bad then and then they allowed him to stay and like Jesus live, live in a house instead of a jail but you know so it was just i mean it just the the scale of the things that people are fleeing from and the fact that the response is anything other than like, come on in, here is a place that we have for you to live and some food. And like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's also like makes no sense because it's just like, it's just like on a human level, like people should be able to understand that. Like no one wants to leave their like, you know, the place where they grew up and like their the people around them and the family and like their friends and stuff like that behind and just move somewhere else because that's better. Like no one no one in the right mind really does that unless you know like unless you like you get like a better job opportunity, blah blah blah, that stuff. But like, you know, you don't just take your whole family and walk for this long for if if you don't have a really good reason. But I yeah. What I just don't understand is like what's in this fight politically. Maybe there's something stupid that I'm missing, but here's the thing. Like with yeah. Trump and his policies in this direction, you know, like obviously he's getting all the right wing people on board, you know, he's getting like, yeah. Yeah. you know, just all the outright racists and, you know, people who are just straight up xenophobic and like it is playing to his base. But like, I think the majority of Democrats are not people who particularly are either people who want compassionate immigration policies or people who just don't like think that much about it. Right. Yeah. People who yeah. are real fucking xenophobe enthusiasts, they vote Republican. So I'm like, what is Biden even getting out of this? Okay. Yeah. In my opinion, uh, I really think that Biden still like really believes in this idea of that he can turn some of the Republicans 
into Democrats if yeah. he just does enough racist stuff. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Which like, is, even if it's not true, it doesn't prevent exactly. from believing and it, it never worked. And it's, and he always does that. Instead of appeasing his own base and getting people like maybe on the left to agree with him, he just so bad wants people to get to the right. To get. And it's so crazy because like no, like even if he closes the border tomorrow, Fox News will say that he's smuggling immigrants underground and they will believe that he's doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's no point. Yeah. And I think, you know, Biden, you know, there's definitely like an element to which I think he probably, I, I think he probably like personally holds racist and xenophobic beliefs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like he too. was, he started his career opposing school segregation in the 1970s. Yeah. That is how he came to political prominence. Pro, that is how he came to, no, wait. Okay, I'm going to start the sentence again. Um, he started his career supporting school segregation. That's how he came to political prominence in the 1970s. And, you know, by um, siding with these parents who opposed busing, I think, you know, yes, and that, that, was part of the, that was part of the reason that Barack Obama chose him as a running mate was because he, Barack Obama was like, I think, you know, afraid for understandable, rational reasons that like he wouldn't be elected because he's a black dude and that people would be too racist. So he chose a literal segregationist to be able to like appeal yeah. to this more conservative wing. And then Biden, I think, was able to, um, you know, kind of launder his own reputation a little bit he did, yeah. as a racist by being the VP uh, for the first black president, you know? And so I think that yeah. it's easy to forget that like Biden was kind of known for this stuff. You yeah. Know? And the whole like Anita Hill stuff and like, uh, yeah, you know, like there's so much there. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally like being VP for eight years really helped him so much. Yeah. Because all of these memes about like Uncle Joe, Grandpa Joe, he's so cool, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, yeah, no, a lot of people love him for that. And like, that's the only th that's the only Joe Biden that they remember. We hate him. I really wish he was not the president. I mean, I will, you know, do the thing or I vote for him and stuff if it, if it comes to. I mean, yeah, yeah. it is going to come to that. He is going to be the nominee. But of course, yeah, yeah. So the last thing we wanted to talk about is uh, George Santos. I don't know anything about this one, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's being sued in New York. And literally, like, I tried to read so many articles. And all that came out, all that came to was that he is being sued for just lying about his background and lying so much. Well, technically, he lied about his background and he ran for Congress and he won. And basically, being like, the win came out of the lying. So just like the fruit of like a poisonous tree. So. Oh, uh, man. Well, speaking of lying, I forgot that we, we did have one more thing that we wanted to talk about this week, which is uh, Diane Feinstein has returned to the Senate after three months away and uh, I guess is officially, according to a statement that her office put out, she's working. Oh, time. <laughs> like it's just good for her. It's crazy that you can just be like, here's a statement. Okay. Um, 
Washington. Senator Dianne Feinstein released the following statement after returning to Washington yesterday to resume her Senate duties as she continues to recover from medical complications related to the shingles virus. I have returned to Washington and am prepared to resume my duties for the Senate. I'm grateful for all the well wishes over the past couple months and for excellent care that I received from my medical team in San Francisco. The Senate faces many important issues, but the most pressing is to ensure our government doesn't default on its financial obligations. I, I also look forward to resuming my work on the Judiciary Committee, considering the president's judicial nominees. Even though I've made significant progress and was able to return to Washington, I'm still experiencing some side effects from the shingles virus. My doctors have advised me to work a lighter schedule as I return to the Senate. I'm hopeful these issues will subside as I continue to recover. So yeah, it's um and she's like I mean, nine she years old, right? That. She's eighty nine. Yeah. yeah, and um like Ken Clippenstein, who is a friend of the show, is uh he he outed all of her staffers on Twitter today, basically for elder abuse, and is like I mean it is you know, just the health is. issues that she's dealing with, the fact that she can't even work like full time as a senator. Like this person needs to retire. Uh, yeah, she... literally spend your like last years in peace. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's man. I feel I, this is just absolutely unconscionable. It's just unconscionable that like I, I, it's very unclear, you know, to what extent she has awareness of like what's going on, you know, what she's voting on. It's it is elder abuse and it's really sad and fucked up um, and it's very disgusting. Yeah. That the Democratic Party is pushing for this, enabling this. So, yeah. 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 I don't know. Especially in a yeah, safe know, democratic yeah. state. Like it's going to be <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But I don't know. It, what a week. Anyway, congratulations to E. Jean. And um yeah, I that's that is an amazing victory. Um and yes. we will be back next week. Thank you so much for yes. listening to Reply Guys. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Muhammad Al-Sheikhi. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song is performed by Emily Fremgen and written by Emily with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's, and I am at Muhammad Al-Sheikhi. And Twitter is where you can find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie? Take us out. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. Your this land. land.